just like that we're in another episode welcome to it thank you so much for choosing to spend a bit of your time with me my name is lele motari and today i've got something scrumptious for you as i always do of course I'm talking marriage and this is going to be a little bit different from what we usually do here because I'll actually be responding to a video um that I saw on YouTube over the weekend. Um so I've got all of that yumminess and so much more today on the show. Let's get into it. Welcome. I'm at Lele Motari underscore on Twitter and Instagram. And without any further ado, let's jump into today's dish. I stumbled upon a YouTube channel uh, by a guy who calls, or at least the channel is called Penuel the God. And... I presume the guy's name is Penuel, at least, you know, yeah, he refers to himself as Penuel, so yeah. And he, he's got a few videos up where he makes, um, he speaks about his thoughts, uh, essentially, uh, kind of like what I do here. And he made a video about why marriage is outdated, I believe it's titled. I believe it's titled Marriage is Outdated. I will link it um, because this essentially is a response to that video. So um, you, you'll probably enjoy the context um, if you're anything like me. But so he, he tries to make a case for why marriage is outdated, why he believes marriage is outdated. And I'm responding with a few thoughts. He starts off his video and it's clear that he's biased. And this is not necessarily an issue because I'm biased too. Everyone is biased to some extent. And he lays out a definition for marriage. He says, well, marriage is about three things, kind of. Um, I say kind of, I'll, I'll, I'm flag, I'll flag that later. He says marriage is about three things. Marriage is about assets, asset management, um, and children. It seems, though, that to Penuel, the children are to a lesser extent than the asset management. I say this because he spends most of the time, in fact, the entire time, the, the, the entire rest of the time in the video, res- responding to how asset management can be done outside of marriage, but he doesn't actually contend with the idea of raising children, except saying that, you know, the parents can live together and cohabit. And I presume that would be a, a the pseudo um, marriage family structure that's kind of existing outside of marriage. But secondly, um, he says, well, marriage is also about the wife taking the husband's surname. Um, okay. Uh, I disagree with this definition, by the way, of marriage, but this is my my understanding of what he, he lays out. For the most part, I am, I'm, I'm doing my best to be faithful to his presentation of his ideas, uh, which is why you can hold me accountable. The video is public, so, you know, go ahead. But he says, thirdly, um, marriage is 
got to do with gay marriages. Or he says, well, now they're gay marriages. I don't know how that ties in necessarily to the definition of marriage. Maybe he's making the point that, well, the definition is expanding because rather than being civil unions, now same-sex couples can actually get married in the same uh, legislation as actual marriages. You know, I don't know. I don't know. He doesn't expand on that. I don't know what he's, he, he means by that. Uh, but so that's what he, that's the groundwork he lays uh, at the outset. And then he goes on to say, well, over and above this, there are two kinds of people who marry. Those are people who A, follow culture, or B, follow religion. Okay, those are the two kinds of people who marry. He then says, if you don't follow culture or religion, it doesn't make sense to get married. Okay. And he, he, he makes two points under this, this header. But I just want to bring attention to the fact that he seems to imagine that there are people in society who do not follow either culture or religion. And I guess this depends on your understanding of the word follow, because I would argue that culture and religion have an influence on you in one way or the other, directly or indirectly. So to imagine that you can somehow live outside of religion and culture, outside the influence of religion and culture, and still uh, be a member of society, um, I I don't I haven't the foggiest idea um, how how that would work. So, but he says under the under the point of it not making sense to get married if you live if you exist in this group of people who just aren't influenced by religion or culture um it doesn't make sense to get married because a you've probably already violated prescription right you've already had sex out of wedlock probably already have a child you know what's the point of trying to go back to the marriage thing um i think that this goes back to that incorrect definition of marriage right um it doesn't first of all it goes against it um it, okay, well, it doesn't go against it, but it exposes it because it contradicts Penuel's own definition. People who've already violated prescription and don't follow either culture or religion uh, may as well only uh, conclude contractual documents and not get married. Um or at least may as well get married if marriage is about asset management, right? And just taking the husband's surname. And he even made the point of bringing up gay marriages. So marriage, in essence, is this amorphous kind of thing, right? Um, and it, it's, it's, there's nothing to it besides uh, the legal consequences and uh, reciprocal obligations and duties of marriage. So it doesn't see, it doesn't make sense to me why this isn't valuable uh, for people who don't follow culture or religion on the basis that they've already violated prescription. So, but secondly, he says, well, it also doesn't make sense for them because women are empowered. Uh, and so this is coming from the idea of marriage being about asset management. He, he says women um, can um, conclude binding legal documents. You know, they can, you know, have their own stuff, have their own money. And marriage can 
essentially be about contractual instruments. Um, he makes a point about uh, parental agreements, even in terms of raising children. Um, but so, po- first point here is uh, women. Women, yeah, women are empowered um, now, but also marriage doesn't inherently disempower women. Um, and if it does, would it not? then follow that marriage equally disempowers men. Um, Especially marriage done right, which is something I'm going to flag later. I'll just put up that flag here. So he says women are empowered and it doesn't make sense. And if you're a woman who's intelligent in 2021, it doesn't make sense. Uh, for you to go and get married and like wear a ring, which he likens to a chain, I believe. Um, he says, "Well, you'll be married. You'll be divorced in five to nine years anyway." And I know the stats. The, the marriage has really bad PR because um, marriage is difficult, and also it's got a lot of very active anti-marriage opposition, which makes it very difficult. Uh, for marriage, shame as a as an institution, um, but this is a this is a very, unfortunately a very true st- statistic, um, and this is the fate. Divorce is the fate of one in three, uh, a third of all marriages. So things aren't good on the marriage. Like things aren't easy on the marriage side. I've never been married, married, but the stats clearly are showing us that it's hot on that side. Okay. So I'll give that, I'll give that much. But my response here is that's never been a good enough reason not to do something. Have you seen, do you know the stats? Of like, do you know what are the chances that you could get killed when you step out of the house every day? Do you know what are the chances that you could get killed in your house? Literally minding your own business? Like that's not like that's not a good enough reason. The fact that you'll be divorced, chances are you'll be divorced in five to nine years is not a good reason not to get married, first of all. If anything, um, it should pique your interest. Why is that? Why are so many people getting it wrong? What's this thing about? You know, why are these people who were once so convinced they could do this, why are they finding themselves five to nine years down the line singing a different tune? I think that this approach of just um, opting for easy solutions of just, well, just don't get married, um, I think it flies in the face of what society needs. But so Penuel, I think... um, and this is something very disturbing, is he paints a very domineering, a very dark depiction of marriage, right? It's, it's, it's a depiction where the husband is, is disciplining the wife, you know, um, where he owns the wife, where the woman just has to follow and be subservient all the time. And um, this is obviously very intentional, uh, but he brings, he, he really paints a very anachronistic uh, depiction of marriage. And he doesn't lie about this per se. He, he, he brings up examples. In his examples, he cites them as kind of um, as information about how things began, how customs began. So he is very expressly, it is very expressly historical evidence. Um, he's upfront about that. But at the same time, um, 
the way that he integrates this, um, these examples shows you, or at least betrays, the fact that he's trying to equivocate uh, these two classes of data, right? Because on his side, note the picture or the depiction of his side of the argument. It's vibrant. It's secular, right? It's a secular world. Women are empowered. You know, we can just conclude contracts. You know, it's metropolitan and bustling and creative and savvy. You know what I mean? And you don't want to get the, you, you don't get the idea from how he paints it that there could exist in this bustling, secular, creative, savvy world, there could exist people who do still opt for marriage, who do still make marriage work, who are religious, who are um, cultural, right? So that's one very key thing to point out is that there's no sense in which uh, Penuel's idea of marriage also has a husband who's responsible to his wife and for his wife, right? Of a husband who belongs to his wife and to his family in the same way that she belongs to him and to her family, right? He's tied to her in the same way. He's accountable to her in the same way. That's how marriage should be. Penuel takes this depiction of marriage that's not the standard and he tries to argue against that. He builds an intentional straw man. He goes on about how for the women, it's not even really her home, you know, and it's not even her surname, it's his, it's his home. You're just an incubator, the woman is. He basically addresses young women, I presume, uh, from how he began uh, the, the monologue. Um, he addresses the, all of these questions to them and kind of tries to open their eyes, as he says towards the end of the video, that he's trying to liberate uh, you. I don't know who you is. I, I'm guessing you is... Um, I don't know who you is, really. I don't know who he's trying to liberate. But um, he also says, well, you know, marriage kind of sucks because you'll have to forsake all your beliefs as well, right? You have to join into this thing, this system that was already up and running before you, you entering this family um sometimes you get a new name you have to like and this is the point of the examples that he brings up because there is no reason why his universe his world does not have marriages where two people ha share common beliefs right um where people commit to each other on that basis, are able to find each other on that basis of common beliefs, of common understanding, uh, where it's not, I mean, that's the, uh, particularly in contemporary um, culture, right? There's no reason why couples, young couples in 2021, are not approaching this rationally and reasonably. Um, so it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's very, it's very clear what Penuel is doing here because he doesn't, he doesn't take marriage at its highest. And that's what I'm trying to expose. 
and his presentation is very elegant. It's very persuasive. Um, but I think better examples would be those examples that have contemporary, young, religious, cultural couples, people who have their own stuff, who are doing well in their careers, advancing in their careers. Because I bet you this, if we actually looked into the statistics, remember I said earlier that about one in three uh, marriages, a third of all marriages end in divorce? I, I'm, I'm willing to bet my bottom dollar that of those two thirds that actually succeed and don't end in divorce, a chunk of them are either religious or cultural. I would bet more religious, but either one of the two, according to uh, Penuel's classification. So there's something to be said there. There's something to be said about those two ideas of culture and religion being foundational, being fundamental to this institution of marriage. Um, and so, I mean, the fact that he swipes those two groups out, to me, I, I think did the most disservice to his argument. He just swiped off a chunk in, in, in really a death-defying move, um, <laughs> a chunk of valuable data in this discussion, right? Um, and I understand why the data doesn't necessarily serve his case, and it's not his job um, to make a, make a good case for the other side, but it's particularly worrying because he ends the video by saying that he's trying to liberate um, He's trying to liberate. I'm guessing he's trying to expose some truths. And so I had to respond because um, that's not the truth as I know it. And if, if we're going to be exposing truths, then I might as well join in because these are truths that um, I have to expose. Um, I'm going to... I've never been married. I get all of my... Um, I guess all of my pool of beliefs and values that I have around marriage and family, I get them from the Bible. I'm a Bible-believing Christian, and I am a sinner through and through, which is why I, I try to, as much as I can, I try to just measure up my rough edges to the straight line of Scripture. So I'm going to be just turning the conversation to... Um, a very prolific writer, Mr. C.S. Lewis. <laughs> Mr. C.S. Lewis, particularly on Christian marriage. And I think he makes a better point of this than I do. And so I just thought that after my thoughts that were very heated um, in response to Penuel, it would be, it would be very valuable, uh, very enriching, uh, to just take a step back and have a more, um, I think, a more substantive, enriching, not just moral, not just spiritual, but just intellectual argument. Uh, this is someone who's thought about these issues a lot. C.S. Lewis has written extensively. He's one of the most famous Christian writers. Uh, but anyway, so C.S. Lewis on Christian marriage. The Christian idea of marriage is based on Christ's words that a man and wife are to be regarded as a single organism, for that is what the words one flesh would mean in modern English. And the Christians believe that when he said this, he was not expressing a sentiment, but stating a fact. 
just as one is stating a fact when one says that a lock and its key are one mechanism, or that a violin and a bow are one musical instrument. The inventor of the human machine was telling us that its two halves, the male and the female, were made to be combined together in pairs, not simply on the sexual level, but totally combined. The monstrosity of sexual intercourse outside marriage is that those who indulge in it are trying to isolate one kind of union, the sexual, from all the other kinds of union which are intended to go along with it and make up the total union. The Christian attitude does not mean that there is anything wrong about sexual pleasure, any more than about the pleasure of eating. It means that you must not isolate that pleasure and try to get it by itself, any more than you ought to try to get the pleasures of taste without swallowing and digesting, by chewing things and spitting them out again. As a consequence, Christianity teaches that marriage is for life. There is, of course, a difference here between different churches. Some do not admit divorce at all. Some allow it reluctantly in very special cases. It's a great pity that Christians should disagree about such a question. But for an ordinary layman, the thing to notice is that the churches all agree with one another about marriage, a great deal more than any of them agrees with the outside world. I mean, they all regard divorce as something like cutting up a living body, as a kind of surgical operation. Some of them think the operation so violent that it cannot be done at all. Others admit it as a desperate remedy in extreme cases. They are all agreed that it is more like having both your legs cut off than it is like dissolving a business partnership or even deserting a regiment. What they all agree with is the modern view that it is a simple, what they all disagree with, pardon me, is the modern view that it is a simple readjustment of partners to be made whenever people feel like they're no longer in love with one another or when either of them falls in love with someone else. Let me know your thoughts. Let's get into free stuff. Free stuff today, I'm going into a theme that I think is definitely recurring on this podcast and I'm offering you a lesson of surrender. Um, That's a lesson I'm learning, applying today and in this season. And I've, I've shared very many similar lessons in the past. And I think because I'm someone who has historically struggled a lot with uh, just letting go of control uh, as it relates to my life and the course of my life and all of that. And so it was very difficult for me to accept salvation um, and just to let go of needing to know everything, needing to plan everything in advance and needing to be able to control outcomes. Um, And so I've had to constantly and consistently learn to detach myself from outcomes, to surrender um, to God's will and to the unfolding of my life according to God's will. And um, just to be grateful, it's... 
liberating because uh, perfectionism um, can be very paralyzing. Um, I've been in seasons where I literally couldn't get anything done at all. Everything I started, I couldn't finish because I needed it to be perfect. And it's just toxic. It's a toxic place to be in. And it's just better, lighter, brighter, warmer to surrender. Just surrender. And one way that I've started to surrender, uh, just case in point, is with my emotions. I'm someone who usually finds it very difficult to handle uh, negative emotions. And it's, it's not so easy for me to pull myself out of a rut. And so learning to just surrender and not resist, to yield to those emotions, yielding to pain, yielding to anger, um, you know, not needing to fight it and being like, oh, why am I so angry? Oh, this, I'm don't, I don't want to be angry. This thing made me angry. And, you know, don't resist the anger. Just be just, and it's, it's a weird kind of concept, but yield to the emotion. Okay. And that's some, that's, that's been very challenging for me. Uh, that's something that I'm challenging you to do today. Uh, that's free stuff from me. And Free Stuff is a segment of um, on the show where I share unsolicited advice. Uh, you can use it, don't use it. Either way, you've got it. And these conversations, they don't end. They continue on my social media and in the comment section. Remember, I am at Lele Mutari underscore on Twitter and Instagram. The spelling of that should be anywhere in the description or somewhere around here somewhere. But until next time... Please breathe, breathe deeply, drink water, and pray. It's been an absolute pleasure spending time with you. I've been Lele Mutari. Ah.